I was in a new town with no friends and no family. I got to the point where I was driving somewhere and I said out loud in my car even, there is no God. This is so miserable. There's no way there's a God. I moved to Carroll about eight years ago. I was engaged at the time, and eventually that engagement was broken. I was raised Christian, and then some situations in my life kind of led me away from God for a while. That was a time where I felt really hopeless. And I didn't want to be around people. I felt like I was going to be going to work, coming home, and that was my life. At one point, I went to a counselor, and one of the things we discussed was that you need people in your life. And, and I fought with him and said, no, you don't. You know, I'm fine sitting in my house by myself. I don't need anybody. <laughs> one Saturday, I was sitting in the living room reading, and I had my Bible out and was reading some of these verses. And, and I just prayed and said, God, I don't know how to do this. You, you've got to come help me because I just don't know how to change things. It was about two hours later that there was a knock on the door. The reason Carol first kind of wanted to get into going home to home was we just felt like one of our mission statements as a church was connecting people to Christ which goes along with that Great Commission very well. So it was taking that into the community. Pastor must have been the one that created a map of Carol and put it in different segments. We went to a neighborhood just south of the railroad tracks that, you know, I've driven past there before, but I really honestly didn't know anyone that lived over there. We were kind of getting done. We were kind of getting tired. We'd had a lot of people say, no, no, thank you. And I think we looked across the street and I'm like, let's do one more. I opened the door and was this couple and their four kids. They said to me, we're just going door to door, meeting our neighbors, and just wonder if there's anything that we can pray with you about. She kind of peeked out. She didn't even move all the way out the door or anything, so she was, I could tell she was a little intimidated. You know, I thought for a minute and, and said to them, no, I don't think so, but thank you. And, you know, kindly sent them out on their way. And about 10 minutes later, you know, I started thinking, you just prayed, God, come help me, let me figure this out. And somebody came and knocked at your door. That doesn't happen. It was as if God knocked on my door and said, I heard you. I'm here. I knew that I needed to get involved with people and, and get out of my house. So I knew where I needed to go was church. So church is just down this road and, and over. I was looking for a contemporary church and um, I'd heard that this church had music and drums and things like that. And I walked in and, and there was already singing and I felt God was there immediately. You just could feel it. Like the song says, I felt heaven falling in this place. The neat thing is, is when I went to this church and, and just felt like home, and it was a couple months later that I realized that Brent and Dayon were in that church. 
When we heard Kelly's testimony at church, I remember just thinking, wow, she really was going through a troubled time, and I was thankful that God had just placed us at the right time, at, right at her doorstep. For whatever reason, you know, she didn't accept prayer, but um, she found her way to the church, and she's even serving in church, which is amazing and awesome. I'm on the worship team. I play the bass for the worship team, and I'm in a Bible study on Wednesday nights, and uh, some of the most genuine Christian women you'll ever meet. You don't know what part you're going to have in someone's salvation story, whether you're going to be the one planting a seed, whether you're going to want be the one helping to grow the seed. We need just the obedience and going through with this um, out of love for God and love for our neighbors. It was It really proved God was just faithful through the whole thing. The worst they can do is say no and close the door. But even if they do say no and close the door, you don't know how that impacts them behind that closed door. Uh, as I look at that video, and that lady's name is Kelly, by the way, I don't know if you caught that uh, in the video, but I wonder how many Kellys live around this church like like this lady maybe how many kelly's live around maybe your neighborhood um like this like this lady in the video i i, I would venture to say that it's probably more than we realize um, i i want to ask a question to you this morning that we that i want to unfold or unpack this morning for us um, what if every home in our community encountered the love of Jesus just like this lady on this video? What if that were to happen in York County or in whatever community that you live? I know there's several people that drive from Waxhaw and other places that live there and you're regular worshipers here. But what if in your community, every person experienced what this lady uh, experienced in her hometown? I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4. And um, let's, let's pray and, uh, and ask the Lord to bless his word this morning. Father, we thank you today for this, this day that you've given us, this second day of this new year, and so thankful that you've already been in this entire year. You've already been here, and you're coming back to lead us every day. And uh, even though tomorrow's not promised to us, and this year is not really promised to us, uh, I, 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 we, we rejoice to say that this is the day that you've made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And if we can even paraphrase by saying that this is the year that you've promised for us and laid ahead for us and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it as well because you're ordering our steps, you're leading us, you've already been there. And so we pray, Father, that in this, as we've navigated through 2020 and 2021, these really challenging times that we're in, we're thankful that you've already been to those places, in those years, in those experiences, and you're coming back to navigate us through safely, effectively, powerfully uh, for your glory. And so I pray, Father, that as we take your word here today, let it be something that is a now word. Let it become alive to us today. Let us consume it. Let us get in. Let let your word. Uh, let your word get into every cell of every fiber of our being today, and let it be something that we not only agree to, 
with an amen, but that we would agree to with a walking it out. Not just informational today, but Lord, transform us today in your presence and by your word and through your Holy Spirit. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to do what you want to do here today. And we thank you in advance of this. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, the fact is, is home is where much of life happens. Your home, our, my, all of our homes is, is where life happens. It's a, it's a deeply personal and meaningful place our homes are. It's not a house. It's a home, wherever it is that we call home. And so if we meet someone there, we're engaging them where they, not we, are the most at home is probably one of the more effective uh, ways that we can be. If you look at the, the, the story of Jesus, the gospel uh, is the story of Jesus' love for everyone. The gospel, the good news, is the story of Jesus' love for every household in this community and every community that might be watching here today on Facebook Live. We're welcoming you as well, and wherever you're watching this today, there's people just like that lady on the video, Kelly, who needs to know the love of Jesus. And the gospel is for those people everywhere in the world. Amen? God so loved the world that he came to us. God so loved the world that he, he, he made his home with us. God so loved the world that he's making him, that he even made himself like us. God so loved the world that he came to us where we are because we couldn't go to him. He made himself like us so that we could relate to him. You know, there's a lot of people in our community today that know about Jesus. But there's many, many that I believe that truly have yet to encounter his life-giving love like they need to. Uh, church, it's a privilege today to share that love with others. It's not a, it's not a, a form of argument. It, it, we should never get into a debate about Jesus. We should never argue Jesus. We should never confront people in a, in, in a confrontational way about Jesus. Like, you're going to hell and all of that sort of awful stuff that's not going to attract anybody uh, to the love of Christ. It, it really is it's a privilege. It, it, it's we're meeting people where they are with words of life and love, that's really the more attractive way to do it. And, and, and that's what happened with this lady. She didn't get condemned. She didn't get um, uh, badgered. Uh, she wasn't uh, talked to angrily or condescendingly. They just knocked on her door and said, is there anything we can pray with you about? And that one simple conversation, even though that it was initially rejected, uh, was actually uh, the seed that needed to be planted and God watered so that she could... I mean, the Lord had already been working in her heart. Did you catch that? The Lord had already been working in her heart. It wasn't like that was the initial thing. She'd already prayed just 10 minutes before, a couple hours before, whatever. Lord, bring somebody. I need some help. I can't do this by myself. And then here he is knocking on the door. I love that. And that's how God works in lives. He's already stirring the need, the hunger, the, uh, the, the, the issues in people's lives. People are already turning to God. They're searching for all kinds of things in the world today. You know that. You see it. It's in relationships. It's in material things. It's in uh, alcohol and drugs. It's in 
stuff on the internet that will never satisfy. It's just awful what the world has to offer. But Jesus will satisfy. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. As we, as we talk to people, it's not telling them how bad they are. As we talk to people, it's telling them how good Jesus is. Big difference there. And as we tell people how good Jesus is, it's going to draw people into, I don't know who you are, but I want to know who you know. And I want that relationship like you have. Now, last week, I, I, there were several people that, were, that weren't here. They were traveling. It's the day after Christmas, and people probably recuperating from the Christmas Day activities. And so, I, if you have a chance, I would like for you to go back on our website, or if you're on Facebook, you can look back at last week's message. But it was one of the more important messages that I shared in 2021. Um, it was really about staying focused on the mission. Uh, I, I pointed out that I believe that the world is going to continue to experience uh, the birth pains of what we're experiencing here as, the, um, as we're in the end times, I believe, very squarely in the end times. In fact, not necessarily right in the middle. I think we're towards the last part of the end times as we're getting closer and closer to the return of Christ, to the rapture. And so we're seeing these birth pains just like in the natural when a woman is getting ready to experience a, a birth, the contractions get more frequent and more intense. And that's what we're seeing happening in the world today. So don't be afraid. Uh, don't, let it be, don't let it cause you alarm. But be assured that God's still in control. And uh, I believe that what's been going on in 2020, 2021 is going to continue unabated as we go on in 2022 because we're still, I mean, the calendar flipping over to 2022 is not, COVID didn't stay in 2021, right? All the political maneuvering and all of the uh, uh, antichrist stuff and all of the perversion and all that stuff is not going to stay in 2021. It's going to roll over and it's going to continue unabated more intensely and more frequently. Just know that, but know this, that in the midst of that, not only historically has God done this, but I believe he's going to continue to do it today, that in all the turmoil and all of the things that have ever happened in God's word, in our nation, you can read about it. It's always been an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show up. It creates an environment for the Holy Spirit to show up and bring good news and bring revival and bring, uh, and bring deliverance and, 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 and bring life to people where they were walking in darkness. So we're not in a bad time. In fact, we're in a great time as it relates to how God works. Because where we are as a nation, where we are in the world, we think, man, this is just really awful. Can you please stop the train? I want to get off. Right? But we're on the train, and it's not going to stop. And even if we get off, we're going to get on another train. It's going to be the same stuff. But God is still... The engineer driving the train, he, he's still in charge. He, 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 he's got this, and through this, the Holy Spirit sees it as fertile soil to do some wonderful things. And those wonderful things, as it relates to his heart, as it relates to his business, church, what is God's business? Holler it out. Souls. That's God's business. God is the CEO of Souls Incorporated. And we are his employees. And we work to make sure that business is going well for God. Because Jesus came that all would be saved. That all would be rescued. That's why he came to this earth. To rescue you and me and everybody. From the bondage 
and the curse of sin in our lives. So God is doing a new thing in the midst of what's going on in our world today. It's fertile soil for the Holy Spirit to do some great things. How many is expecting that? Now I want you to keep your eyes fixed on true north and know if you look to the left, if you look to the right, it's going to mess you up. But if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end of our faith, he's got a plan and his plan is unfolding and it's time for us to get part of that plan. It's time for us to get in the middle of what he's got going. Not sit on the sidelines anymore. So for the next four weeks, I want to start this year off well by looking at how Jesus, who's always our example, and I'm always going to point you to Jesus, okay? Now there's other people, there's other men and women that have lived on this earth that have really done well in evangelism. Uh, Moody is one of them, Billy Graham, certain people like that. But Jesus is always going to be our example, and everything that Jesus did was intentional. And it was not only for our betterment, but it was also for our example. And as we're called Christians, what does Christian mean? It means like Christ, right? We are like Christ. So let's be like Christ and how he modeled for us evangelism. So Jesus came to what? Seek and save the what? The lost, right? The sole reason that Jesus came to this earth was to save mankind. And he modeled for us some simple and effective evangelism. By some counts, if you look at the, uh, the, the Gospels, Jesus actually had over 130 uh, encounters with people. Now, by the way, very few of them, probably about 10 of those, were in the temple or in uh, some sort of, you know, synagogue or something like that. Well over 120 or more was people in their homes, in the street, uh, where they were, at their business. I mean, they were, he, was, he went out from the four walls and met them where they were, where they were the most comfortable, where they were going through their routines and, and situations in life. And I want, to show, I want us to look at not all 130 stories, by the way. I'm going to pull out four of them, okay, over the next four weeks. And we're going to look at how he met them where they were and spoke words of life into, into, into their life, uh, words of love into their life that transformed their lives forever. Just like he's done for you. How many can say that the Lord has done that very thing for you, amen? Some time ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, however long. Aren't you thankful that through the Lord using somebody or some situation, he spoke into your life words of love and hope and rescue, and you said, I'll take it. And there's a lot of people out there that need that same thing, just like Kelly in our video today. I want you to remember something, that God doesn't have a mission for his church as much as God has a church for his mission. And if we can look at it that way and understand that the church exists for his mission of souls for the kingdom, it's not one of the things that we do as a church, it's the reason we exist is to tell people about Christ and then to disciple them and to, and to grow them in that relationship with the Lord and then send them out so that they can do the same thing. The church was birthed to be a vehicle to carry the gospel to the world. You know, when Jesus said in Acts 1.8, he said, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem. I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you to do anything. I know you've been with me for three and a half years. I know I've shared with you a lot of things. 
but I need you to sit tight because I'm going to send to you my Holy Spirit. And I'm going to send to you my Holy Spirit not so that we can have Holy Ghost goosebumps on Sunday morning. He didn't say, I'm sending you my Holy Spirit so that you can just have a nice, uh, have a nice time inside of the four walls of a church and just kind of play church. Amen. He, he didn't say that. He said, and he could have said a lot of things. He didn't say, I, I, I'm coming to bring my Holy Spirit you, so you can uh, uh, do well and make a lot of money and, 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 and live a comfortable life. He didn't say anything like that. The one thing that he gave is the exclusive reason as to why he was sending the Holy Spirit is so that we might be his what? Witnesses. In other words, that we might share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we as Pentecostals, we as uh, Assemblies of God Pentecostals, tend to want to say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit so I can speak in tongues and, and I can interpret those tongues and I can, you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit and say that I'm a Spirit-filled believer. Great. Praise God. I hope that's the case. But if you're not sharing the love of Jesus, then it's sounding brass, tinkling cymbals. It's just a bunch of activity. It's just a label. It's just a title. But you're not being effective for the Lord if you're not proclaiming the gospel. The good news of Jesus is the reason that we love people around us. And Jesus is our example of how we are to love. The gospel is good news. Not meant to be kept secret or hidden, but meant to be shared. The gospel is not a message of judgment or fear, but it's a proclamation of life and love. The gospel is freedom for us to love others without any pressure, without any agenda because it's God's work that changes hearts not our work he's simply asking us his people to join him in that journey in that work now God took on human form to come to us and share his love face to face and he he spoke not only with confidence to people those examples that he gave us and modeled for us but he also spoke with tenderness and patience the patience and tenderness of a friend. How many would rather be uh, yelled at? Or how many would rather be spoken to with tenderness and patience? Which of the two, right? How about the latter, right? Isn't that always more pleasant? Yeah. Don't yell at me. Uh, don't judge me. Don't be mean to me. Give me some love. Be patient with me. I'll be attracted to that a whole lot more than I would you condemning me to hell. You know, Jesus alone holds the power to transform a heart. But he wants us to be his hands. He wants us to be his feet. He wants us to be his mouthpiece. And he promises to walk with us wherever we go. In fact, let me just give you a little advertisement for this week at this point. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week. As we're beginning today, our week of fasting and prayer here at Faith Assembly. We always do that every year. The first full week of the year from Sunday to Sunday. We say, hey, let's take some time and let's fast. Let's pray. Let's spend some time together. And we're going to go global. We're going to do a virtual prayer service this week. So I want you to join me every night at 7 o'clock. We're going to go about 30 minutes or so. We're going to spend some time uh, discussing how we can confront lovingly the current culture of this day. And I'm going to give you some stories, uh, certainly to, to kind of set the stage. But then we're going to pray through those particular things. So 
I, I hope that instead of you guys watching, I don't know, Wheel of Fortune comes on at 7 o'clock, right? Just, you know what, Vanna and Pat are going to be fine without you watching it this week. Or you can record it and watch it later. But I need you to join me at 7 o'clock every night this week for about 30 minutes. And whatever it is you normally do at 7 o'clock on a weeknight, I hope that this week that you'll set aside that and let's join together for a time of prayer. And then also, let's also ask the Lord, what is it that I need to fast this, this week? A lot of times we think food is, is, is the only option. And, and if food is what the Lord's laid on your heart, then certainly do that. But there's also some other things that we can fast. Uh, we can fast our social media. We can fast our television viewing, i.e. Wheel of Fortune. We can fast uh, other things in our life. In other words, what we fast is, what is it that has you? right? What is it that's, that's got you, that's consuming your time? What, what is it that, 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 that has become your God, maybe, that you can't, that you're having a hard time pulling away from? That's the very thing that maybe is the first clue that you would say, you know, that's what I'm going to give to the Lord this week. And you're going to find after the week, you're going to realize, you know, I really didn't need that. And uh, actually, I could live without it. And uh, give that time to the Lord. Give that energy, give that effort, give that passion to the Lord this week. And watch what happens. It's a great way to set the tone for 2022. So I hope you'll join me tomorrow starting at 7 o'clock. Facebook Live on our Faith Assembly Facebook page. Um, by the way, it's going to start getting cold tomorrow. So enjoy the day today. I'm not sure I'm looking forward to that, but okay. Break out. Did anybody get a coat for Christmas? Because you get to break it out tomorrow. All right? All right. Uh, so we talk about witnessing and you think, and I know what many of you are thinking. In fact, probably nine out of ten of you are thinking this this morning. You're saying, because I'm getting a few amens, and those are the ones like, yeah, witnessing, evangelism, I get it. <laughs> the rest of us like, oh, man, why did I come today? This is not what I want to hear. But nine out of ten surveys, nine out of ten in surveys, statistically speaking, about nine out of ten of us in this church, which is the vast majority of us here, and the vast majority of not only people watching, but the vast majority of Christians, the vast majority of church-going Christians say they want to share the gospel. I, I, wouldn't come, I, I wouldn't say that you're telling me this morning, Pastor, I don't want to share Jesus. I don't think you're saying that in your heart. I think what you're saying is there's some things that are really keeping me from doing it. And you know what the top three things are? Maybe this is where you are today. Here's the most common barriers. The first one is fear. You can write that down and say, yeah, that's me, fear. You don't want to be pushy. You don't want to put someone on the defensive. You're just afraid of the response. I'm, a, I'm afraid. I've never done this before. I, I get it. Okay, fear. Maybe um, feelings of inadequacy. Maybe that's you. You just feel inadequate. You don't, you don't feel qualified. You don't, you don't feel like maybe you're not good enough Christian. Maybe you look at your life and you think, man, I, I still let every once in a while something slip out or I still do something that, you know, that I know God's not pleased with. And I'm kind of a hypocrite. I don't feel qualified here. I, I feel inadequate. I feel like, you know, I, I'm telling people about Jesus and I'm sitting here struggling with this over on this side while I'm telling someone about Jesus on this side. I, I get it. You know, the old devil will try to keep your mouth shut because... Uh, I think we're trying to make ourselves perfect, and there, there's no perfect people on this earth. Let me just tell you, if that's you this morning, if you're feeling inadequate, or you're feeling not qualified, welcome to the club. That's 100% of us are in this place that are all sinners, 
most of us saved by grace. None of us are perfect. So don't let the enemy take that and put that in your head saying, well, you're not qualified. Leave that to the pastor or leave that to the, to the 10% that are amening me this morning, right? That's not my job. Yeah, it is your job. It's all of our job. So stop that. You are not inadequate and you are qualified and you are good enough because Christ is in you. Here's maybe the third thing. Maybe you feel ill-equipped. You don't know what to say. You don't know where to start in your discussion. You just are frozen. How do you even begin a conversation about Jesus? Any of those three anybody can relate to, just wave at me. It's all right, because oh, oh, ten honest people and the rest of you are just a bunch of, Lord, we repent right now. We repent of our pride. Okay, it's all right. All of us are in that place where we, at one time or another, we're fearful, feel inadequate, we feel ill-equipped. But I want to see what I can do to take away those reasons and maybe push them off to the side and maybe replace them with some joy and some confidence in our sharing of the good news. Guys, evangelism isn't a script. It's not, you know, you hear about the Roman road of salvation. That's great. I mean, there's some great scriptures that we need to follow. But it's not like, you know, okay, now I've got to tell someone about Jesus and I've got to do this. I gotta say. Just, it's not a script. It's really a conversation. It's just, a, it's just an opportunity. It's going to be different with every person you talk to or every person you have an opportunity to do something with. It's, it's a simple word. It's a gentle action. It's maybe a humble prayer. Maybe it's just an honest story like what this lady shared. I mean, that's a pretty honest story, wasn't it? And maybe people just need to hear things like that. It's just really meeting people where they are and just letting the Holy Spirit just kind of Take it from there. It's, it's us planting and watering, and it's God bringing the increase in others' lives, just like what the Scriptures say. But it's hard to bring an increase if there's something that's not been planted and watered, right? So we do the planting and the watering. We're the uh, uh, people that are on the farm, God's farm, and we're, He's given us the seeds. It's His Word, and He's given us... Uh, the watering, that's his Holy Spirit. And uh, then he says, now watch, I'm going to make it grow. I, I can't make a plant grow. I can plant it in the ground. I can make sure it has the proper soil and nutrition and the water and all that. But I cannot make that plant grow. That's a God thing. And he's the one that brings the increase. You know, there's not may maybe much we could do to rescue our economy <laughs> or eradicate COVID or fix our broken government. But there's a whole lot that we can do to make a difference in someone's life as we share Jesus with them. So as we begin our journey on how Jesus approached evangelism, let's look today at what I'll call Jesus's passion. You're writing down notes. That would be something to put at the title we're going to encounter today. Jesus passion. John chapter four, <clears throat> almost the entire chapter, in fact, tells us of a story of Jesus encountering a very familiar story that many of us know, the Samaritan woman at the well who was rejected and despised by those in her town, by society. In this encounter, Jesus is telling us that people aren't objects of God's wrath, but objects of his passion. Encountering Jesus' passion produces life, and Jesus' heart is for the lost, and it's for the broken, and it's for the hurting. And Jesus came to demonstrate God's never-ending love for creation as he modeled that for us. And time and time again in Scripture, people, we see his heart moved with compassion and compelled by kindness 
toward the broken and the hurting. I, I love how Jesus took the time to encounter people where they were. He didn't say, hey, I'll talk to you if you come to the synagogue. I preach every Saturday. Every Sabbath, I'm there. If you want to hear more about me, I'll be there. I'll be there doing my thing. Come on. Now, he went to their towns. He went to their homes. He went to anywhere there was lost and hurting people. You can find Jesus, right? And in this story, he went out of his way to talk to a Samaritan woman so that she could hear words of life. You know, one word, one word from our lips born out of a compassion will change a life forever. One of the most iconic stories in the gospel. Here's Jesus. Jesus comes and he shatters completely all of the people's expectations, all of the social norms. Here's this poor and despised and rejected Samaritan woman. And she experienced something that she never knew that she needed. And that's the life that Jesus had made for her. Read along with me John chapter 4 verses, starting in verse 1. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And so he got into an argument with these people and said, hey, I am better than them, and I want to make sure that my name is not besmirched. No, he didn't do that. He left that area and said, I'm not going to be part of that discussion or that competition I'm going to stay focused on why I came to this earth. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had gone through Samaria. Now you got to, if you look at the map, you understand that there's actually a straight, there's actually a, not a straight shot from Judea to Galilee. You had to go around this place called Samaria. And why did they go around it? Because it was no man's land. It was the rejected area. The Samaritans were were second-class people. They were the rejected. They were kind of half-breeds. They were, they were not welcome. They were not embraced by the Jews. And so they went out of their way. All the people always went out of their way to get from point A to point B, not Jesus. He went on through Samaria, and he went to a particular town called Sychar. Now, that Sychar was near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Keep in mind, that's important. It was about noon, the sixth hour. And there was this Samaritan woman who came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, you have to understand this about why uh, this woman was there at noon. Most women of the town came right before, right as the sun was rising, at the cooler part of the day. Uh, to, to get the water for the day. They would draw from the well. They would go back and supply their families uh, with the needed water for the day. Why did she come at noon? Because she knew that nobody was going to be there. She knew that she could come all by herself in the heat of the day. Nobody of a sane mind would come at noon in the middle of the day, in the middle of the desert, really, to draw water from a well. She knew that she was pretty safe not, not to have conversations. Why didn't she want to have conversations? Because she was rejected in her town. She was the prostitute of the town. She was, she was living a life that was not acceptable. She, she, she was not looked at, um, she was looked down, is, is the best way to put it. She was just looked down upon. 
And she knew that. So why would she put up with drawing well when all the rest of the women were there gossiping? But when well, here's that comes that lady, here comes that person. Oh. So she came at noon. Jesus knew to be there at noon, by the way. It was not a random meeting. I love this about Jesus. Everything he did was intentional. So he said to this lady, will you give me a drink? Now, by the way, there's a little paraphrase here. It says, by the way, his disciples had gone into town to buy some food. So Jesus had come with his disciples, but he sent the disciples onto the town to get some food. Jesus hung out by the well because he knew the Samaritan woman was going to be coming at noon. And then so she said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? It says, for the Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And I explained to you why. And then Jesus really ignored that and said, Jesus answered and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Mm, living water. I'm sure that piqued her interest. It's like, mm, living water, that's something different. And you're still talking to me, even though you know I'm a Samaritan woman, you know who I am and you're still a Jew and now you're, you're having this, you're engaging with me? Okay. Uh, I'll, ask, I'll answer that. Uh, Sir, she says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. That, that well, by the way, was by all intent and purposes about 13 stories deep. That's a, that's a, I mean, imagine a 13-story building, but go down. So she had to draw that up every day, 13 stories of down and pull that bucket up. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, I sure am. <laughs> I wish that was there, but it's not. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, here's a choice she could have made. She could have said, Sir, you're out of your mind. Sir, no thank you. I don't like you. You're giving me the creeps. Sir, I mean, she could have gone all kinds of different directions with that, right? I mean, think about what that lady on the video said. No thanks. I'm good. And shut the door. <laughs> I'm coming to give you some living water and you're shutting the door. And in fact, you just prayed two hours before you needed some living water and now you're rejecting it. This doesn't make sense, but God knows what he's doing. She could have gone different directions with that. But she said, sir, give me this water. She made a choice. Something happened in her heart. Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and, and have to keep coming here to draw water. Okay, well, she was thinking more functional stuff, like, you know, I don't have to keep coming back every day. You're going to give me some water? I don't have to come back to this well and encounter all these people that don't like me and have to pull this thing up from 13 floors down, and, and that'll just check off that one more to, thing on my to-do list every day. If you can give me that living water, I'm good. She still didn't quite get it, but she was intrigued. <laughs> and then he, 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 he turned up the heat a little bit. He says, how about you go and call your husband and come back? She's like, man, where did this come from? Well, okay. So she's trying to think through this because she's trying to think on her feet here because she knows she's had like five husbands and the one she's with now is not. And so, all right, what do I do? She's, you know, I have no husband is what came out. I have no husband. 
maybe trying to shut him down. And can we get back to this water now? I have no husband. And then Jesus read her mail and said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. And then she dropped her bucket. <laughs> and she went, well, who's this guy? And, and here's an understatement. Uh, there's a lot of understatements in the scripture. Here's one of them. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Understatement. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. I don't know. She's starting to get into this little argument now. It's kind of, maybe she's trying to get some clarity. I'm not sure, but she's fishing. She's searching. And Jesus responded by saying, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you're going to worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks god is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth and then he dropped the mic because that was a mic dropping moment right there she had nothing else to say she realized what was going on and it's like her eyes were open and she said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And then he says, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. That's all she needed to know. She had an encounter with Jesus. And it was just then, and I think we're going to fast forward now. Uh, here in just a minute. No, in just a minute, we're going to fast forward to verse 39. Let's keep reading. Just then his disciples returned. And we're surprised to find him talking to this Samaritan prostitute woman. This rejected woman of the town. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? They just looked at him like, what are you, nuts? And then leaving her water jars, leaving what she came to get, the physical water, she left it there. She ran back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Why in the world would she remind people of all that she's ever did? She, they knew all she ever did. Why would she remind them? Hey, I'm the town prostitute. I'm the slut of the town. I'm the one that you've been looking at all these years and despising me. Come and see a man who told me all about it. That person that I am. And so they came out of the town because they were startled. I mean, they, okay, if she's going to broadcast this, certainly whatever happened there, we got to come see it ourselves. And they made their way to him. Verse 39, let's fast forward. <clears throat> and then as a result of that, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me everything I ever did. And might I just add, and yet he still loves me. And yet he still forgave me. And yet he still accepts me. Because Jesus loves us no matter what we've done. No matter what. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he did stay for two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. <laughs> what if Jesus would have just said, you know, I'm going to just go around here because I got to get to my next appointment. What if he hadn't had that conversation with that Samaritan woman? 
The whole town came to know Jesus as a result of Jesus going out of his way and going to where they were, where she was, and met her at her point of need. I'm so thankful that Jesus, in his modeling for us, passionately pursues the world, passionately pursues you today and me today and everybody. He's pursuing everybody. The, 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 the most awful, vile sinner in the world Jesus is pursuing at this very moment. Isn't that good to know? Let's be reminded, he left Judea, went back once more to Galilee, and he'd gone through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jesus stayed focused on his mission. He didn't just wait for the disciples to bring their food. Where are they? The Chick-fil-A is open. I know it's not Sunday. I'm waiting for my... Where is it, guys? What took you so long? I'm hungry. No, he stayed focused on the mission. I'm thirsty. I, I sure would like some... No. He stayed focused. I got to get to, I got to get to, no, he stayed focused on his mission. The Holy Spirit said, I need you to go through here and I need you to go to this little town. I need you to sit by the well because there's a lady that you're going to speak into her life and it's going to change that community forever. Okay. Remember this, that God, Jesus only did what God his father told him to say and do. That's what the Bible says. Jesus only did and said what God his father told him to say and do. So he followed the leading of his father. In doing that because God knows the end from the beginning and Jesus was following that those steps Jesus wasn't going to get caught up in all that politics of the day he wasn't going to join some sort of competition with John the Baptist his goal was souls for the kingdom and he went out of his way to pursue this Samaritan woman he pursued in fact this woman when everyone else had rejected and abandoned her I love Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 and 5 it says about you and me, it says about all those in the world today, surely Jesus took up, took up our pain and he bore up our suffering and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. See, the rejected, the despised, the abandoned, all of us here today are the reason that Jesus left heaven and he lived and he died for mankind and he experienced all that he experienced, the afflictions, the crushing, the piercing, the punishment, the wounds were for you and for me and for your neighbor and for the people in this community. No one, no matter what they've done, if you're listening here today, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, listen to me this morning. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter how deep you think you've sunken to in your life. You're not outside of the reach of God's love and God's grace today. Don't you ever think you are? Because you're not. Why do I say that? Because Hebrews 4.15 says, For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. He knows exactly what you're going through today. He knows the burdens that you're carrying. He knows the struggles that you're facing. He knows the temptations that you deal with. He gets it. He understands it. But he overcame it so that we might overcome it as well through him. So he had this discussion with this Samaritan woman who goes unnamed 
He came to this woman knowing everything about her already. Do you know that? Jesus already knew exactly who she was. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Five husbands, the one you're with now, and I know all about you. Psalm 139 verses 1 through 4 says that about us. Jesus knows about you too. He knows about me. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You know my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out. You discern my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Ugh, that makes me uncomfortable. How about you? Before a word is on my tongue, you know what I'm going to say. He knows you. He knows me. And yet, he still loves me. He still accepts me. He still forgives me. Even though he knows that stuff about me, that Psalm 139, 1 through 4 makes me very uncomfortable because it tells me that he knows all about me. And, and I don't like that. But what makes me rejoice is that even though he does know all that, he still loves me. He still forgives me. I'm still his own. Are you thankful for that this morning? How many can say amen? So Jesus had these compassionate words. They were not condescending words. They were not gotcha words. He wasn't being mean or judgmental. They were, they were birthed out of compassion. He was drawn to this lady out of compassion. Understand that whatever Jesus was saying to her, whatever Jesus was saying, and the rest of the examples of how he talked with them about the good news, it was always birthed. It was always a foundation of compassion. A love, in other words, what compassion is, it's a love that looks beyond the surface. It's a love that doesn't judge. It's a love that says, I love you, period. And I'm going to bypass all the rest of that stuff that you're acting like or that you look like or whatever your history is or whatever. I don't care. I see your soul. That's what compassion is. It looks past the surface and gets to the core. And those words of compassion broke her shame. Those words of compassion, he saw her brokenness and he spoke right to her pain and he came to her that she might have life and have it to the full. I want you to think about it. She had no security. She had no prospects. She had no honor. She had nothing. Just like this lady on this video, Kelly. She, she just had resigned herself just to going to work and coming home. That's kind of like my lot in life. That's all I had. I didn't know what else to do. And I, I didn't want to. I needed somebody. I, I, I was searching. And day after day with no hope, just like this woman at the well, she had come at noon to get the water and she was searching for something in relationships and five, six failed relationships and would have continued to go on. But Jesus came and broke her shame and gave her hope. I'm so thankful that Jesus takes us and he empathizes and had compassion in our troubled past. Aren't you thankful that Jesus empathizes with our past? He doesn't hold it over our head. Yeah, but you did that 10 years ago. That's not coming from God. Jesus doesn't say those words. Jesus doesn't remind us of our past. That's Satan who reminds us of our past. And when Satan reminds you of your past, folks, remind him of his future and move on, okay? Read the book of Revelation and you'll see what I'm talking about. But Jesus shows up and he empathizes with our 
past. And then he has compassion for us in our present. And then he gives us hope to change our future. That's what he did to the woman at the well. I know you've had a rough life. I, 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 I want to just give you some compassion, right? And let you know that you're loved and fully accepted. And by the way, can I tell you something? I'm going to give you some living water. I'm going to give you some hope for the future. What a great model for us to walk out. When you talk to people about Jesus, man, find a way of connecting with them. Don't make it about you. Oh, I know what you're talking about because I did that. If you want to make it about you, that's fine. But always bring it back to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, we've got some examples here. That's all right to say, hey, God rescued me out of something from 10, 20, 50 years ago, whatever. But don't stay there with it. Keep pointing them back to Jesus, but empathize with them. Listen, I may be a believer today, but I hadn't hadn't always served Jesus like I'm serving him now. And I hope that I'll serve him better tomorrow than I am today, right? I'm moving forward in this journey. And then then give them some compassion. Love on these people. Don't judge them. And then give them hope. God can rescue you. Jesus can take you out of this situation. Jesus was giving this woman a chance at a fresh start. She didn't have to settle anymore for anything less. She didn't have to live that way anymore. She can be forgiven. She can, she can also forgive. And then she makes this choice when she says, sir, give me this water. You know, that, that water, that living water, that life can only be found in Jesus Christ. Jesus offers new life and gives liberally to all who will simply ask. So what was the result? What happened? We read the story. The living water Jesus gives removes our shame and not just removes our shame and washes us clean, but it overflows out from us to others. Let's be reminded of what this story says in John chapter 4. Let's read verses 28 and 29, and then also verse 39. It says, Then she left her water jar. She went back to the town. She said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. She was physically and spiritually exhausted, this woman was. And in her own strength, she couldn't overcome her shameful past. But Jesus saw her need of deliverance and went out of his way to a little town, not hardly even on the map probably, to this well to meet this nondescript woman who's rejected in her community and wasn't valuable at all to a single person there, but was so valuable that the Son of God came and sat with her and led her to the foot of the cross. Share with her the good news. If you're listening today, listen to me. It doesn't matter how lowly you feel that you are, how rejected that you feel that you are, how unloved and how unaccepted that you feel that you are. Jesus is going out of his way to come and meet you where you are and tell you that you are valuable to him. And you can be forgiven. This woman had an overwhelming sense of guilt and shame and she felt utterly worthless. She had a lot of broken relationships. She had a lot of failures. She had a lot of rejection. She had so much shame. Sir, I have no husband. Jesus says, yeah, I know. I know who you are. I know your story. I see you. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. The living water of Jesus is here offered today, and it's pouring out from his compassionate heart to anyone who would receive it. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 7, as he was standing before the people at the last great feast, what we celebrate is the Feast of Tabernacles, and if you remember, part of that Feast of Tabernacles was the water libation, and he stood up, 
during the water libation. And if you're here visiting today, every September or October, thereabouts, depending on when it falls on the calendar, we have a Feast of Tabernacles every year. Because the Bible says in Zechariah that that's going to be celebrated for a thousand years during the millennial reign of Christ. It's the only one of the seven Jewish feasts that will be celebrated in the millennium. And so we're just beginning a head start. For the last seven or eight years, we've just been doing it. And so that way, we're knowing we can lead some other people into it during the, during the millennial reign of Christ, right? And, and we're going to celebrate the, 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 the Feast of Tabernacles every year until Jesus comes back. As long as I'm pastor here. But Jesus stood up during this particular feast because it says in John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Wow. <laughs> what boldness. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, rivers of living water, living water, living water will flow from within them. Jesus is the living water that will never run dry. And Jesus is really that good. He really is. One encounter with Jesus will change everything. Amen? It changes the way that we view Him. It changes the way that we view ourselves. And it changes the way that we view those around us. Come and see a man who told me all I'd ever done. This timid and, and ashamed woman was now bubbling over with hope and a promise of a redeemed life in Jesus. And then her newness of life, she went and told all who had listened in her town of her sordid past. Why would she remind people? Here's why. Because she had experienced the living water of Jesus. That's why. We all have a testimony, amen, of how God has rescued us from our sordid past, our struggles, our, our seeking. And we found Jesus one day, didn't we? She couldn't help but tell others. And they came out to find out for themselves. See, the life that Jesus pours into us puts everything into perspective. When Jesus looks at us today, know this. He doesn't see a mess, but he sees potential. So I want to ask you some questions this morning as we come to a close here today. First, what places in your heart, listen to me now, what places in your heart have you not received the love and forgiveness of Jesus? Now, you may be saying, well, pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I mean, I know he loves me. I know he forgives me. I'm, I'm good. But stop. Let's just, let's just unpack this question just a little bit more. And I want you to pause and be honest with yourself. You may know that you're forgiven and Jesus has absolutely cleansed you from your sins. But I think maybe there's some places in your heart from your past, some things that you're struggling with now, just places in your heart where you've not given him full access and you just struggled. You struggled because of something that someone did to you or that you did to someone, a lifestyle that you chose, a particular action that you took, just something that's there. It's a particular part of your heart that just simply says, I'm not sure he can forgive me for that not sure he can really love me because of that. What is it that's maybe there that you're not allowing that living water 
to come and cleanse and wash away. Uh, let me just say this. None of us are perfect. And none of us have a perfect past. Not one. But the living water of Jesus can cleanse you today and make you new. Even the stuff that we think he won't or shouldn't or can't. He can. He will. If you give him access, open up that part of your heart that you've kept undercover for so long and you've kept under lock and key and you've kept from him getting in and just open it up. Let him come in and, and wash it. Accept his love and, and his forgiveness in that. I'm so thankful that when we accept his love and we get cleansed this morning, even our mess and our mistakes and our shortcomings, all those things, we can find the grace that we need to not only receive that love, but also then to let it flow out from us and to see the world as he sees the world, love the world as he loves the world. Here's the second question that I want to ask you today, and so it's going to pivot a little bit. It's going to take the spotlight off of your heart for just a minute, at least in that area. And here's the next question. Who have you disqualified that God hasn't? Who have you disqualified from that living water, from the love and forgiveness of God that God hasn't? Who have you not forgiven? Who, who have you condemned to hell? Who have you said by your words, that person will never amount to anything. That person will never accept Jesus. That person is hopelessly lost. Who are you angry at still? Who have you held contempt against that has just turned into a cancer into your heart? Who have you looked at people you don't even know as you're driving down the street, going through the shopping centers and going to the grocery stores and, and seeing people holding up those signs saying, I need food, God bless you. Or that person at your office that swears a blue streak and is doing everything that he can to sleep with every woman in your office. What about that neighbor who you obviously know doesn't know Jesus because of all the stuff that's going on in that house. It's spilling out into their yard. You know what I'm talking about? And we look at that and we think, oh, that person is just going to hell. God, forgive us. God, help us. God, help us to see that neighbor, that coworker, that total stranger with the love of Jesus and never condemn them to hell. Never disqualify that person that God has not disqualified. Who is it? Or maybe do you have that propensity to do that? What Samaritan woman do you know that you've written off but Jesus is still pursuing this morning? This woman that was written off and rejected by her entire town was passionately and singularly pursued by Jesus, wasn't he? Wasn't she? He went out of his way to talk to one person who impacted an entire town and an entire region. And to this day, we're reading this story, aren't we? 2,000 years later of the encounter that Jesus had with a woman. We don't even know her name. We know what she did, but we don't know her name. But God does. And God loved her enough to send his son 
to confront her lovingly with compassion. The Samaritan woman in our story today was overflowing with living water as a result of her encounter with Jesus that then poured out onto others. And we see also in our video today, what if this family had not visited that last house? What if they didn't push through their weariness and discouragement and knock on that one last door? These people didn't know her. They didn't owe her anything, but God knew her. God had heard her prayers and put it on that one lady's heart to say, let's just do this one more. And then God used this family to draw her into a relationship with him. Which leads me to my third and final question this morning. As we close this out today, would you like to be filled to overflowing this morning with this love that spills out onto others? Yeah, so would I. So would I. I want you to stand with me this morning. And as you're standing, I hope that everyone that came in this morning was given a little bottle of water. Do you have it with you? Hold it in your hands. Did you get that bottle of water? Uh, who has drank from it? Drunk from it? Who, who drank from it? Raise your hand at me. Wave at me. So, okay, some of you did. Wasn't it refreshing? Wasn't it a nice surprise? Wasn't it nice to come in and um, get this tiny little bottle of water and say, hey, you know what? Some of you are doing it now. That's good. Drink it. It's free. Drink it. Nothing wrong with that. By the way, did that water cost you anything when you walked in? No, it was free, wasn't it? It was refreshing. It was free. You know, as you came in this morning, you were given a bottle of water, and some of you opened it and drank some of it, and others of you chose to hold on to it for later. Hey, I'm going to be thirsty later. I think I'll hold on to that. Nothing wrong with that. But as a visual... That's really what happens in the world today. And the reason I gave you that water was for this very reason, by the way. The point I'm trying to make, it's really an illustration that you're holding in your hands. The world approaches the living water of Jesus in much the same way. It's available to everybody, but some choose to not partake for whatever reason. I invited some of you to open up that bottle and drink it, and you did. And it's the same way as we do with Jesus. I got some water here to give you. Now, you can hold on to it. You can set it aside. You can ignore it. You can leave it on the shelf. You can pour it out. Or you can drink it. But it's not up to me as to what you're going to do with it. I'm simply going to be obedient to plant water. And you do what you're going to do with it. Let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do with it, right? As the Samaritan woman did. We so commonly look for the basic needs in our life. She says, you know, I want that water that you're talking about that means that I don't have to come back here every day. Just check that thing off my list of to-do list. And I'm good, boy. That's what a lucky day, right? And we look for our physical needs to be taken care of. And in fact, this is the time of year where we make resolutions, New Year's resolutions. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to... That sort of stuff, right? I'm going to be more friendly and all that and a lot of those things if you make the list and, and if you make resolutions great do it I mean exercise more eat better all those sort of things but if, if you look at your list and I'm not saying if you made one or not that's fine but if you made a list I would venture to say that maybe those things that are on your list are more kind of 
inward focus, like how can I improve my life, right? So how about this? How about make a resolution that says, um, how can I better the further and further the kingdom of God? How can I resolve to, to be more available to Jesus? How can I resolve to, to, to let that compassion flow out from me? How can I resolve to let that living water spill out from me onto others? And be more kingdom focused and less us focused. The Bible says if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all the rest of the things on your resolution list will be added unto you anyway. So let's put our energies maybe into that. Jesus understands what we thirst for. He understands what's truly going to satisfy. He, he sees so much deeper than our temporary needs of the things that we need, food, shelter, clothing, all of those things that are basic needs for us. Those are temporary, they're immediate, but what he sees is eternal and everlasting. And he came and took care of that once and for all when he came and died for us. And he said, I'm the living water. He alone provides that living water that we need. And that living water isn't just for us alone, but it's we live a life fully from the depths of his joy and passion towards us, then we're going to see that same life overflowing out from us like a living spring as naturally as water gives life to our physical bodies. Jesus came lowly and humble to prove his forgiveness and newness of life that belongs as God's words describes to the very least of these. Jesus broke all expectations and cultural norms to make sure that the Samaritan woman knew her worth. And that's what God has called us to do as well, to pursue people because he pursued people. That was his passion. Therefore, let that be our passion because every single person is valuable to God. And one encounter may be all that it takes to set someone free. If you want that living water, afresh and new, I invite you to come. Just join me at the altar here this morning. I want to pray with you today. And let's let that river of life that's in us flow out from us in 2022. I invite you to come to this altar. Bring that bottle of water with you as just a point of reference to say, yeah, this is, this is a little bit of water. It's not going to last I need the living water that's going to last and never run dry. I'm going to stand here and uh, invite you to come uh, and let me pray with you today. I welcome you to come to the altar and just slip out for just a few moments and just join me, if you will, and just pray that living water. Let's just, let's just get refreshed with this living water this morning. Fathers, we come to this altar this morning and we, we make ourselves available to you. <clears throat> Lord, we, we, come, we come against these things uh, that maybe keep us from sharing the life of Christ, that fear that maybe is in us. We come against that fear that keeps us, intimidates us and keeps our mouths shut. We come against that feeling that we're not good enough or, or that we don't know what to say. Father, help us to see the, uh, the example, Jesus, that you gave and that you were led by the, by the Spirit of God. You were led by, by, the, by the instructions of your Father. And you simply said and did what he told you to say and do. I pray, Lord, that you'd wash over us and, and cleanse us this morning in every area. Lord, cleanse us from our past. Cleanse us from our shortcomings. Cleanse us even through our mistakes. Father, we open up our hearts to you this morning. And even those areas that we've kept hidden from you, that we've kept under lock and key, we open that up this morning for the first time. 
And this morning we ask that you'd wash that clean and let the river of life not only wash us clean, but to fill us and to overflow out from that hurt, from that struggle, from that temptation, from that past. And let it be something that becomes a testimony. Let it be something that becomes that we leverage, Lord God, for your glory for those that you help us to encounter in our lives. Holy Spirit, fill us to overflowing today. We receive you, Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing today. We need you, Spirit of God. Let that river of life flow out from us and overflow us. Spring up, oh well, as that song says. Spring up, oh well, and flow out from us and help us to get those around us wet with your, with your love and compassion, with the good news, with hope, Lord God, with rescue. Father, forgive us for disqualifying those that that you've qualified and that you're pursuing passionately. Help us, Father God, to be your hands and your, and your feet and your, and your mouth and, and your life extended, Lord God, no matter what they may be acting out uh, in their, in, in, outwardly, Lord God. Lord, we know that you're pursuing them and they, that they're seeking, they're struggling, they're searching. They need rescue. They're looking for an answer. Lord, we have that answer. You, in us, let that answer come out from us and plant in water and then you bring the increase. Living water of Christ, won't you refresh us? Won't you cleanse us? Won't you bring life to us and those around us? Holy Spirit of God, drive us out from ourselves, from our fears and insecurities, from our busyness, from our complacency, and drive us into society, Lord God. Compel us to go into those places with purpose and with passion and with the compassion and intentionality of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us your passion, Lord Jesus. That passion, Jesus, you're in us. So let that passion that is in you, that is in us, come out from us to those around us. And we thank you, Jesus, for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember last Sunday, for those that were here, we said, Lord, you placed your hands on your spiritual wombs. For those of you who weren't here, guys, you got a womb. Guys, men, you have a womb. It's a spiritual womb, but you have a womb. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You got a womb, but you also have a spiritual womb. All right? All of us have spiritual wombs, and it's up to us to say, Lord, activate this womb. It doesn't to be dormant anymore. It's not past expiration date. It's alive, it's vital, it's vibrant, and it must birth babies for the kingdom. I challenge you with that this, this year. Let this be the year where you're birthing spiritual babies like the Samaritan woman at the well like this story that Jesus did. And I love how Jesus does it. He didn't just bring one person to himself. Through that, however many scores, the whole town was impacted by him. That whole region. So Jesus is very strategic. He, he, he knows exactly what he's doing. And so there's a strategic person that he has you to minister to that will then impact dozens, maybe even scores, maybe even hundreds, maybe even the next Billy Graham that will impact millions. We don't know. We don't have to. We just walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit's leading. And God, I just pray for fertile, alive spiritual wombs. All the more, Lord God, all of us today. And let us birth souls for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.